This is the Working Drummer Podcast. Working Drummer Podcast. Featuring ground level pros from all styles and regions. Real drummers with real stories about making a living in music. Hey everyone, welcome to Working Drummer Podcast. I'm Zach Albetta. My guest today is Fabio de Oliveira, who is based in London and tours primarily with George Ezra. Fabio was born and raised in London, but comes from a Brazilian family and got exposure to the music world from an early age at the side of his father, who is also a professional drummer, percussionist, and educator. In addition to George Ezra, Fabio has played with Jamie Cullum, Jacob Collier, Friendly Fires, musicals including a West End production of Waitress and a UK tour of The Lion King, and the opening ceremonies for the 2012 Olympics in London. If you want to help support what we do here at Working Drummer Podcast, we invite you to become a patron. Go to patreon.com slash working drummer, and a donation in any amount gets you access to exclusive educational content from our former guests. You can think of this as professional development for drummers. Sometimes it's playing bass, sometimes it's a musical concept or a business tip, but it's all useful stuff for the working pro. We're populating new content regularly, and as little as $1 a month gets you access to all of it. If Patreon isn't your thing, you can also make a one-time donation through PayPal. There are links for both on our homepage at workingdrummer.net. So Fabio is just a sweetheart of a dude with a really interesting background. His musical development has been defined by this sort of dual citizenship he holds between the London pop scene and the Brazilian community there and it turned out to make him perfect for the George Ezra gig. So I dug this thoroughly. Hope you will, too. Here's Fabio de Oliveira. Give us a picture of what uh, London is like right now and and, uh, what your life is like right now. Um, Well, right now, there's not a lot going on, to be honest. Uh, All the music shut down, I think, the 23rd of March. Mm Mm-hmm. So gigs, shows, everything, tours got cancelled, everything got pulled. And stuff is starting to come back mm-hmm. in terms of other professions and people are starting to go back to work and stuff. But I think we all know that we'll probably be the last to go back. Yeah. Because when you're talking about, you know, gigs where, you know, whether you've got 150 or 10,000 people, mm-hmm. the risk is, is, is there. Yeah. I think um, us, us and the restaurants were like the first to go down and we'll be the yeah. last to, to really come back up. Yeah. Yeah. We, and it, it, so it's, 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 it's a really interesting time Yeah, because I've, I've always been a big advocate of, of, really trying to distance my own self-worth as a musician and as a human and as part of society to my diary, Mm -hmm. you know? So trying not, you look at an empty diary if it's January or something, you know, and you know, you tend to feel, get a little down and and stuff, but I really, I really tried to, to, to not, not let that happen. Right, um, right. And by your feel, diary, you mean your your calendar, your schedule. Yeah, sorry. This yeah, is, yeah, yeah. Th- this is the first of yeah. what might be a couple little lingu- linguistic differences here, but but yeah, yeah, we yeah, gotcha. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think now every musician is having to do that. 
mm-hmm. and to really like try and assess like okay what actually makes you a musician right once once, once the gigs are gone mm-hmm. like who am i <laughs> you know and, yeah. and and even then taking the music out of it like what am i without music you know mm-hmm. um which which has been really interesting um personally it's been it's been uh an enjoyable time for me yeah um, me too and, and i i know it it has not been enjoyable in any way for a lot of people yeah, um, yeah. for various reasons yeah. um but uh but yeah just in terms of kind of being able to kind of hibernate for a while um you know everybody's world got a lot smaller and i'm i'm okay with that for at least for the time being you know yeah. um so i don't want to marginalize any hardship that that a lot of people are going through but um in terms of of like you said just uh being able to focus <laughs> yeah on on a much smaller number of things for a while yeah. is is a kind of a, a weird gift yeah no I, I agree i agree um it's as you say a lot of people have suffered so i'm not taking that away from anyone right. um but personally it's it's just been a, a very productive time actually yeah uh, it took a couple of weeks to try and get my head around the fact that this is actually going to change things in a, in a much bigger way. I think, I don't know. Yeah. A much bigger way than, than, than anybody realized at first. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and that takes a little while to get your head around. Mm-hmm. Um, but once I kind of accepted that, um, it's actually been really enjoyable finally yeah. got down to writing music to learning a bit of video editing doing that just it's just some different stuff you know right so go a little deeper on that i mean how are you how are you being productive is there stuff that you've been wanting to do forever that you finally have time to do yeah well forever yeah i suppose the the, the writing music has been has been a thing that um i've always wanted to do and i did some at college and stuff but straight out of college i started touring and sort of all that stuff gets left behind mm-hmm. um and and the last i say the last two years i've started having like this little f- niggly feeling mm-hmm. where, like mm, i need an outlet i need i need something that's me that's right. mine um so and it started while while i was whilst i was on tour with like little voice memos on the phone and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And then now I've actually had the time to get my head down and 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 actually break the back of it, you know. Right. right. And as soon as soon as as soon as you put pen to paper, or in our case, you know, a, a note into Sibelius and stuff, and it actually becomes a thing, and it's not just like an audio file on your phone. Right. Right. Um, so, are you writing? Are you writing songs or instrumental music? Or it's it's at the moment it's, it's instrumental music. Uh huh. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I kind of, I grew up, uh, mainly with Brazilian, Afro-Cuban music, like world music, right? some, like a fair bit of jazz. And my mom was a, my mom was a massive Motown. Oh, fan. cool. Yeah. Yeah. And Motown soul, you know? Um, but I found that actually when I think, the, I think the reason why it took me so long to actually get started to write was because I was worried, worrying about, um, what it was going to be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 
oh, I don't want to come across as this and I don't want to be that. And, oh, but maybe people won't not buy in, in, in the financial sense, but like they won't, they won't get that. And the fact that I'm, okay, both my parents are Brazilian, but I was born and raised in Finchley in North London. Mm -hmm. If I come out with some Brazilian music, no matter how authentic it may be. And after talking to some guys, some older guys and mentors and even some contemporary um, colleagues, um, it was just a thing of like, just stop thinking and just do it. Right. Right. Um, I, I relate to that. I think anytime you're, you're trying to like start something new, whether it's writing your own music or in my case, during this time, I've been getting my home recording shit together. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, you, you've just got to start like, yeah, start somewhere, start with something. Nobody has to hear it, <laughs> you know, yeah. just start yeah. your process and figure out what your process is going to be. Um, you know, whatever, um, whatever the, you know, the goal is, whether it's to, uh, you know, release original music or record drum tracks or, uh, get your arms around a new style on the drums. Like you don't have to know exactly where you're going to end up in order to just start the process. Um, and yeah. in a way it's better to not know where you end up because the process can just lead you to cool shit. Um, or yeah. lead you to, to stuff that you're like, Nope, I don't, that's, that's not where I want to go with this. Let's, you know, turn it around, do something, <laughs> do something 100%, different. You know, there, there, there's some of my earliest ideas have actually given birth to like sort of de developed into other things. And the original idea isn't, is no longer there, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so that, that's cool. That's, that's been, uh, the most exciting thing that lockdown has given me. I right. Think. Right. Um, yeah. Um, so before lockdown, were you, uh, I mean, you, you mentioned you probably had a full schedule with George Ezra. I'm, I would imagine there were dates on the books and well, so actually with George, we finished luckily, um, we, we did the last album, uh, cycle that we did started in this time in 20, yeah, it was about April, May in 2017. Mm -hmm. And we toured throughout 17, 18 and 19. Wow. We did, I think two and a half years with a, a tiny, uh, like a three month gap, I think, um, with not a lot of time off. Right. Um, it was pretty hectic, but that was when you know, that was the album cycle where Paradise came out and Shotgun and oh my God. So, so uh, that was amazing. Mm -hmm. um, and luckily we sort of got it in before all this happened. So nothing had to be pulled. And we finished in in September of last year. Mm -hmm. um, and then had a month off, went on holiday, blah, blah, blah. Right, and then right. and actually while I was away, I got the call to take over um, the waitress uh musical the sarah Bareilles oh cool musical in in the west end in london right um so i got back in november and then in early december i start i, I started that and we would have run until july but yeah but no end of march <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but, yeah. right right yeah. well i mean i guess it's it's a little bit fortunate that you were kind of on a little hiatus from from george Anyway, you were just yeah. in London anyway. Um, so you weren't stranded out in, you know, <laughs> Singapore or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
So uh, what, like, you know, on, on team George Ezra, is, is there um, a strategy going forward? Do you know any, you know, specifics or certainties about the future? Um, as far as when, when you'll be back out or, you know, what's I don't, I don't, I, um, I think, I think there'll be a bit of a break there because we did, we did, we started in 2014. Yeah. It's actually, yeah. Around May, 2014. Yeah. How old were you when you got that gig? Uh, 2014, I would have been 25. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Some people would say, I actually think that's almost quite old to get a pop gig. Um, In a a way, yeah. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. Um, But, you know, it it came when it came and and it was well worth the wait. So, right. um, But yeah, so that started in 2014, which then we went through to 2016 or end of 2015. Then we had a year off. So we'd, we'd been pretty much going quite hard for for you know five years you know right five, and you mentioned years. like on, on the last album cycle you said you were out for two and a half years um yeah and, and i mean what was the average length of time that you were out without coming back home um i'd say you know we did a, a few like one month stints mm-hmm. um so you do but there were there were lots of trips where you do we did one where we went to new york overnight and then you arrive sorry yeah new york and you arrive late at night and then you you get up to do the today show right which is like a 3 a.m lobby call and then you you do that in the morning and then go across manhattan and do another uh tv thing pre-record and then go straight to the airport and fly to new orleans that day and then have a gig in New Orleans the next day. And then I actually stayed in New Orleans for a couple of days after that. But the guys flew home and two days later we flew to Australia, you know. Oh my God. Um yeah. Oh you earned your you earned your money that week. Yeah. A That's lot, insane. A lot, a lot of the trips were like that. I think mm. the longest we did was actually on the first tour where we did two months in the States back to back. Okay. Um, which was great because I really, really love touring the states by bus it's, yeah it's, it's so great it's such it is an cool. amazing country yeah 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 so um, varied totally totally and and i want to uh, talk to you about um uh your brazilian heritage uh in that way because you know saying saying you're from brazil is about as specific as saying you're from the u.s like it's just so regional and every corner of it, it you know is almost like a different country yeah um, but what did like what did you find about touring the U.S.? Like what regions uh, or cities uh, sort of spoke to you? Well, I mean, having like grown up like loving jazz music and salsa music, like New York was like <laughs> amazing. You know, being sure. able to go out every night and you see like these world class guys like mm-hmm. Martinez or Ari Honig. You know, it's like it. You're a kid in a candy shop. You know. Yep. Um, The middle is just, it's so different. Yeah. So different. And it's, it, it, it's literally like you're in some sort of film, um, <laughs> which was, which was all, always quite exciting for, for everyone on the bus. Actually, we're always like, wow, where, where are we? You know, you have like a, uh, a long travel 
we stopped once in Green River, Utah, mm-hmm. which was like population of like I think nine hundred people or something. You know, it's right. like tiny, right? And you're in the middle of nowhere, and and that was always quite like uh, it's almost like humbling. You know, it's like wow, this is mad, right? This right. is such a big country. And We're a long way from anywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, definitely a lot of like places like Nashville were great fun. We mm-hmm. did we did three or three days, four days at the Ryman mm-hmm. at all with Hosier, which was great because we actually got to spend a few days um, getting to know the place, you know? Right. Um, right. But you know there there are so many great cities. Seattle's great, mm-hmm. you know, Boston, um, Chicago is one of my favorites. Actually, it's it's a really, really yeah. wicked city. It 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 is, and I've only spent a little bit of time there. I've interviewed a couple of drummers from there, um, but I I want to hang out there more. And just it just seems like a cool city to just be and do. And, you know, doesn't, it's not, it's not too high maintenance. It doesn't take itself too seriously. Um, uh, yeah, exactly. It's just like a good, a good vibe there. It seems like. Yeah. I really, I really enjoy Chicago. Yeah. Critical scandals hang overhead today. You are not entrenched in your own Yourself, you know authority And trees raised hands say You're not our responsibility Show Musically, as, as far as uh, the, the George Ezra gig goes Um it's a very acoustic vibe. It's a very percussion vibe. There's a bunch of tambos and shakers and brushes. Um, first of all, how did you how did you sort of suit yourself or uh, prepare yourself uh, for this gig? Or do you think you were just kind of naturally suited for it? Uh, well, and it came to you. I think I think there there was some preparation where I got sent all the stems. And a lot of the first album, for example, was recorded with, you know, bass drum sounds were actually Dr. Martin boots being slammed on a wooden floor mm-hmm. and, and like lots of weird stuff like that, where George was just in the, in the studio with the producer and, and being handed that. And then you, you just get handed a bit of a loop with some weird bits and it doesn't sound like a drum kit at all, but it, but it works. It's more like a percussion loop. Right. So then it was okay. So how, do, where, where, where is the, the, the groove coming from, which sound and what's it, what's it playing? Where can I put that on the kit? Or do I need a tambourine here? Or do I hold the tambourine here? I mean, my last tour rig was, I had three congas on my left mm-hmm. snare up here, some chimes, uh, one up, two down or one up, one down eventually. And a table with mallets, brushes, sticks different types of sticks for different songs you Mm -hmm. know um i'm quite picky like that yeah Um, 
and and having definitely having a background in in percussion so right my, my dad was a percussionist so having a background in that definitely helped with you know uh interpret interpreting those 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 parts you know and you're, you're talking about uh like world percussion and classical percussion right no no so my background was in uh like brazilian percussion okay got it latin american per- percussion got it um Unfortunately, I, I I didn't I didn't make it to, into the orchestras. <laughs> I was too busy in the samba schools. <laughs> right, right. It, it might it might not be that unfortunate. I mean, I I have a background in classical percussion, and and what you said about like being picky about stuff resonated with me because I mean you know classical percussionists are some of the pickiest, most fastidious little just you know. That's why I kind of got out of it because I realized I'm not that picky. I'm not that exacting. But that right. training sort of taught me to like be really intentional, if not picky, about, yeah. you know, ex- I want that mallet, not that mallet. I want that yeah. triangle, not that triangle. I want to hit it here, not there. Um, just finding like every little difference in in everything you use and finding the right combo. Yeah, I think that's really important with, with, with sticks, with symbols. It's like... And and with with kits, you know how they sound, how they feel. Mm-hmm. A big thing is how they feel for me. Like with symbols, like I always go go around like uh, flicking them almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To check the, the 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 weight and and how they move, because how how the, a a symbol feels or how a snare drum feels. If it's super tight, it makes me want to play a certain way. Mm-hmm. And if it's super dead and thuddy, it makes me play a different way it makes you move a different way same with symbols same with mallets or percussions percussive sounds you know yeah yeah um, that's interesting I'm, I'm realizing i i probably don't pay enough attention to what a symbol especially feels like to your hand right uh, not just yeah. under the stick because i mean we talk all the time about how your stick is you know an extension of your hand um, and if a symbol doesn't feel good or feel right, like in your hands, like you said, flicking it or just bending it or whatever, then it's probably not going to feel great under the stick. Yeah. I'm, or, or it might just be a question of a different stick, you know, sure. yeah, yeah. we all know, you know, the stick sounds so different. Yeah. You know, you play with a Erskine boot ride stick or with a, a seven a or whatever. And like the difference is crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really, I really enjoy that because it's like a whole each each element of the kit or or, or of my rig allows for so much um, uh, searching, I suppose, you know, and discovery yeah. and and experimentation. Right, right, um, and experimentation not in the sense of like. Um, you know, how can I, how can I change this part, but like just zeroing in on how, how your sounds, you know, sound and feel every single aspect of your setup. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's cool. Um, what, what you were talking about, um, in terms of sort of translating these non drum set sounds on the record into your drum set rig, um, Reminded me about the Brazilian thing. Um, I I studied in grad school with uh, a great drummer named Doug Allwater, who um, has just you know dedicated his life basically to studying and mastering Brazilian music and Brazilian oh, styles. Um, and he wrote this book called uh, Essential Latin Styles for the Drum Set. 
and it's it's you know divided into two halves afro-cuban and brazilian and and the whole book is just taking uh sounds and grooves that uh you know in both cultures are traditionally played by groups of people each playing you know one instrument and translating it onto the drum set and using the drum set instrumentation to create those vibes, those grooves. Um, so that that really reminded me. I mean, you that's probably a way in which you were uniquely suited to kind of synthesize, you know, the 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 drum quote unquote sounds on George Ezra's records yeah. into the into the drum set. I hadn't really um, even thought about that, but um, yeah, I suppose I suppose um, he sounds great, though. I, I must I must check out this book. Oh yeah, yeah. We've I, I had him on the podcast uh, a couple years ago, but yeah, he's just a super knowledgeable, super uh, affable, funny, um, and yeah. I mean, he he fell in love with Brazilian music when he was you know in his twenties, and I think he's almost seventy now. Um, uh, but yeah, I kind of uh, you know scratched the surface of that stuff when I was studying with him. I I went through the book and I you know learn some stuff, listen to some records and whatever, but I, I know there's just still so much deeper <laughs> to go. Yeah. It's, it's a whole world, isn't it? It's a yeah. whole world. Yeah. Um, so talk about that. I mean, what, what region of Brazil do, uh, did your parents come from? So my dad, um, is from a place called Belo Horizonte, which is in the state of Minas Gerais it's inland. Mm -hmm. Um, and Belo, Belo Horizonte is the, is the capital of that state. And it's, it's very much, uh, a cultural hub in Brazil. Mm -hmm. um, there are many of them, but it was it was a very big city in terms of art, the arts, you know, writers, poets, theater, music, um, a lot of amazing, amazing musicians. Milton Nascimento came from 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 Minas Gerais mm -hmm. and from Belo Horizonte and. Uh, yeah, so my dad is from there. Um, he moved out of Brazil in the, I want to say, early 70s, mid-70s mm -hmm. maybe. Um, my mum is from Sao Paulo. Mm -hmm. she's, she's from this sort of uh, Italian community right. in Sao Paulo, um, which is a great city also. Um, but definitely more of my musical... Um, heritage in the Brazilian sense came from my dad mm -hmm. um, and he he came over here and, and started one of the first samba schools outside of Brazil in 84 mm -hmm. which is still running today and there's wow. lots of other samba schools that are, that have come about since then right um, and for those who don't know that term d describe what a samba school is because it's, it's uh, yeah not, it's not a school per se no, no, no. It's not. It's not a school in in the uh, uh, in the traditional sense. It, it's it's a hub for for the communities in Brazil, where they have parades every year. It's a competition, and each neighbourhood would have its own what they call samba school. And right. They'll have a big uh, hangar, sort of uh, headquarters, let's say. Right. Um, where they'll rehearse, where they'll make the costumes. So you, this sounds this sounds exactly like the Mardi Gras Indian thing in New Orleans. It's, it's, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. And it's Got the it. same time of year, <laughs> and 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 it's it's it is really remarkable 
I, I mentioned earlier, I spent a few days in New Orleans on the back of, of a trip there. And we had, we had uh, crossed paths with the Hot 8 brass band mm-hmm. um, here in London. And they ended up coming out and, and supporting George on tour in Europe, oh, cool. um, which was really cool. Um, and in January, when we stayed over for a few days, they were really, really great with us and took us out to their gigs and actually let us do a, a, a second line parade with them. Oh, nice. So Dre, the, 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 the snare drum player, rocked up with a spare snare drum and said, you know, play, do your thing. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, my God. Um, and, and it was remarkable seeing the, the similarities. Mm-hmm between well not only musically but even like just in the sense of parading right you know how to move that many people the dancers the drummers you know in 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 your lens it's the horn players at the front which we also have brass bands in the northeast of brazil mm-hmm. for music and stuff like that um so i was constantly constantly going oh look we kind of play that as well and Look, he's doing that. That that reminds me of this so and so and blah. Right. Which is it's a that's a really interesting um thing that's come about with the separation of what were you know the, the slaves. You're right. Um, these traditions that have kind of rooted again in the other parts of the world. Yeah. Um, but will have these kind of similarities. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, that that's really that's super cool. So what um, role like in your, you know, as you as you sort of got older and were like, I'm, you know, I'm going to play drums for a living. Um, what role has has your heritage, um, you know, played in in your life? I mean, musically and otherwise. I mean, it's it's been it's been massive. It's yeah. been massive um, up until the up until I was about maybe 16 it brazilian music was basically everything brazilian music afro-cuban music so my dad would take me to gigs with him when i was i started going at about four years old Mm -hmm. and and he would just bring me on stage and i would sit in um in some salsa bands Sorry to interrupt you, but is this uh, what your dad did for a living, or was he kind of a weekend warrior, or just full time no, pro? Or no, he was he was a full, fully fledged professional musician. That's that's so cool. Yeah, percussionist. Yeah. Um, and he he noticed that I I had an interest. Mm-hmm. Um, so he would take me to gigs. I would sit in. Let's start playing, and he play okay, play that rhythm, cool, and I'd play that rhythm. And any stops, he would sort of give me a little elbow, a little nudge. <laughs> And, and, and that was so valuable to me mm-hmm. um, because I learned not only the musical side of stuff, but like how to, how to be sort of stage wise, mm-hmm. you know, how it works to be on stage with a band and to get from the beginning of the song to the end without yeah. falling apart. And, and not only that, how to, you know, how to conduct yourself. Oh, um, yeah during soundcheck, how a soundcheck actually works, how, you know, and it was only when I got to college in London um, where there were some people, there were some singers on the course who were 
sort of starting out, you know, mm-hmm. um, and and had never even sung into a microphone before. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, I've taken this for granted massively, massively, right. massively, massively. Yeah. So I, I grew up doing a lot of that, like going to rehearsals with samba schools with my dad or with his band um, and and always just, just watching. He always says, he would take me to rehearsals and all the guys in the band would take their kids and all the kids would be running a riot in, right. in, in, the, in the rehearsal room and I'd just be sat watching, just <laughs> observing, observing, observing. And then in the car on the way home, I'd be saying, oh yeah, because then when you did that, then the pianist did that. and did that. So I've always been someone who's always liked to, to watch stuff and, and mm-hmm. see how it works. Right, right. And learn, learn that way. You know, my dad never really taught me. Right. Um, sort of lesson-wise, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it was always just watching, copy that, um, which, right. which, which was a really great way to learn. And I would imagine that, like musically and socially and professionally, um, you you got an example from an early age of, you know, what it's really like. Like you got a realistic picture of life as a professional musician. Because I don't gather that your dad was doing like arena tours, <laughs> you know. Um, well, yeah, exactly. Uh, when when I was younger, he did he he was away a fair bit. He did a stint with Sade, and he used oh, to cool. do stuff with Terry Callier and some stuff with Madness and blah, blah, blah. So but in like, terms of the stuff you saw, in terms of the stuff you went along with. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I think that's so valuable because I, like, I, I didn't have a, a similar experience um, in terms of, like, getting that experience and getting that exposure from an early age. But um, I had a drum teacher from an early age. I grew up in Santa Fe, New Mexico in the Southwest. Right. Um, and... You know, I didn't I didn't start playing out and gigging until basically college and I was in my 20s. But I, you know, I had this influence of my drum teacher who who led just a very down to earth musical life. He played gigs. He taught lessons. He played gigs. He taught lessons. He played gigs. He taught lessons. And I just got this picture from an early age. Like, that's what a professional musician looks like, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah and I think it, it, it kept me from. Um, uh and maybe it's the same for you. It, it, it kept me from sort of, um, letting my imagination run away with me in terms of what my life was going to be like, <laughs> you know? Absolutely. It, it, it's, it's not easy. Right. Um, and we all, we all, we all dream, yeah. which I think is super important. And I right. think if you're not, if you're not dreaming big and stuff, then what's the point, you know? Right. Um, but there, there was, there were definitely, um, moments where my dad had to sort of put me back in line. Mm. I remember even quite late, it must have been 2012 or 2013. And I was doing some shows around the UK and stuff, but I, I wasn't really, I was like, mm, what, what, what do I really want to do? What, what is this, is this it? You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember speaking to my dad late one night and, and I said, you know, I'm not that happy. I'm not sure what's, what, you know, is, is this really going to be it? Like, I can't see stuff moving forward. And he said, right, you, you've got a job. And let me guess. So you, you want to do a, a, you want a tour? I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. With, with your friends, right? With your buddies. And yeah, 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 yeah. And you want to earn big money. 
I said, well, not, not big money, but, you know, I want to earn a living. Yeah, yeah. And you want to play music that you love, that you really, really love. I went, yeah, yeah. And he gave me a clip around the ear. <laughs> and he said, what do you think this is? <laughs> right. So, what, what, this, this, this is it, man. Yeah. This is it. It's the, it's the grind. And there will be some amazing moments. Mm-hmm. Um, and there will be some, some really difficult moments. Yeah. Um, so sometimes it, in the same day. <laughs> absolutely. Often, <laughs> often I find myself after some of the biggest shows we've done, um, driving home, listening to the radio on my own after playing the O2 Arena or Royal Albert Hall. Right. And I'll just be on my own in my car with a bit of radio. Right. And and you think, wow, did that really happen? Yeah. You know, um, and you get home and, and, and like a cup of tea or whatever and go to bed, you know. It's, right. it, it's, it's, it's often, it's such an up and down um, lifestyle. Um, yeah. And I was really fortunate to, to see it not only from with, you know, I've, see, I've seen it from ver- from many angles, like being a musician myself, mm-hmm. but also being the son of a musician. Yeah. And also the son of a wife of a musician. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Which, 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 which has always been, it's been a real, real lesson in seeing like, okay, how to make a family work. Yeah. Or not, or not in some cases. <laughs> right. Um, that's that's an interesting point because we've we've talked quite a bit about, you know, the the value of uh having a partner who understands what you do and supports what you do, not in the sense of letting you get away with whatever the hell you want, but just like being in your corner and holding you accountable to to be as good as as good at what you do as you can be. Um, and I, like, I don't know if, if you have a partner currently or what your situation is, but what, like, you, what sort of lessons or examples did you take from your mom in terms of what you look for in, the, in a partner as a musician? Well, I'm very lucky to have a really great partner at the moment, um, who Charlotte works at a record label. Mm-hmm. So she understands that it's not it's not what you see in the films mm-hmm. and that backstage after a gig most likely you're just going to be on your phone yeah. <laughs> everyone's going to be on their phone in their own little world right you know? um and she knows that she understands that that's how it's going to be that you know i'll probably just get on the bus maybe watch film you know there'll be some nights just like if you worked in an office in london or anything like that you have some nights where you go out and 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 you have some fun, you know, but right. she really understands that. And I think that is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Um, because when someone doesn't understand, it, like, really what it's like, um, then the imagination sort of takes over. Right. And, and, and that's when that's when you're in trouble, you know? Right. Right. Um, I, I would, I think like a lot of people have this, this idea, like you said, I mean, some of my, some of my wife's friends, um, just have this idea that like when I'm out on the road or even when I'm in town out at a gig that just around every corner is the perfect opportunity for me to step out of line. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, yeah. and if you want to step out of line, I'm sure you can find an opportunity, but you know, in, in my experience, it's like, I would, I would have to like 
do a lot of planning. I would have to clear the tour bus or I would, <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not convenient most of the time. No, it, it is. It's, it's a logistical nightmare. <laughs> and, and, and actually it's a lot. I, I, I think it would be a lot easier to do just having a nine to five in London. Yeah. You know, it's, right. it, it's, it's, it's really, it's a big inconvenience. Like you, yeah, I, I, I think, I mean, you're never alone. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And, right. and if you're lucky enough to be touring on a big level where you do get your own room and stuff, you know, okay. Things might get a bit easier in that sense, but most of the time you're doing, you're doing minivan buses where you're getting off stage and you're driving, you know, four hours straight after the gig straight off stage right and then you're going to sleep in 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 a in an airbnb not right. an airbnb a uh uh what they call travel lodge or something right yeah off, yeah off on, on the motorway on the m1 here in the at 1 30 in the morning yeah like <laughs> really but luckily I, i've i've you know she, charlotte charlotte's great and um you know even when it comes to a promo schedule with an artist like george promo here is is really it's really difficult because it's really hard to get it confirmed mm -hmm. because the TV shows are always seeing who they can get. Right. And if, if someone absolutely huge came in last minute, then that's it. Yep. So, you know, she, she'll ask me, Oh, what are you doing next Friday? I said, I don't know. There might be this radio thing, but I don't know. And she said, Oh, is it promo? I said, yeah. She said, all right, that's fine. Cause she understands yep. what it takes to get a radio thing for an artist or to get a TV thing for an artist and how, how, how unstable that whole scene is, you know? Right. Um, so thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thank you. Thank yeah. you to partners everywhere. Yeah. We, yeah. we've been, we've been kicking around the idea of like doing a, a significant others round table on this show. Cause like I, you know, my, my wife is in it with me. My, my co-host Matt's wife, uh, has been in it with him. They've got kids that, you know, they've been doing it way longer. Um, but yeah, just the, the value of, of a solid partner is, uh, is just so huge. Absolutely. I think that would be really beneficial for for partners of of other musicians, you know, to hear the partners of guys who are doing it. Right. To hear what it's really like. As far as your formal training, um, I, I want to talk to you about the London Center of Contemporary Music. Um, yeah. But you know, uh, apart from that, or or as part of that, who were some of the the mentors and uh, you know the people that that really influenced you in your in your schooling there in London? So I'd say, apart from the obvious, you know, it was my dad, and I actually studied under my dad. Oh wow. Um, drum tech, which is now BIM um, School of Music, um, and he was the percussion tutor there. And I did a year um, diploma mm -hmm. before I started at CCM. Um, and so I studied 
under him and you know not not in a not in a, a big heady way but a lot of the stuff that he was teaching i knew from having played it mm-hmm. with with him but what was really really amazing about that was watching him teach that material yeah so that became like my focus in that in that lesson especially with him was okay how is he delivering this mm-hmm. um and it's become like a really big passion of mine um teaching you know brazilian music especially samba and stuff like that yeah, yeah. um so that that was a big that was a, a really really big thing um drummers wise there's one drummer i'd say who has been a, an amazing mentor who is uh ralph salmons mm-hmm. and he worked with with my dad and i became uh best friends with his eldest son who's oh, cool. a killer producer bass player and we were band in bands together since we were 16 17 years old yeah yeah um and and ralph has an amazing studio up at his house um and so me and lester his son would be hanging out and just making some music you know just for the for the, just for the crack you know right um and so i'd be in the live room tracking some drums and ralph would come in after a gig at one o'clock in the morning and he'd be straight on the talk back going, <laughs> yeah man really nice yeah yeah lay, lay back on that hi-hat Whoa, what's the yeah yeah that's cool that's cool okay let's try that again but and those little lessons were just amazing something yeah. that I, I, I cherished for a long time that's cool because um, you it's almost like you're in a session and there's just like a little thing in your shoulder going yeah no do that do that but he happens to be one of the most monstrous drummers in the world you know right right so, so tell me his yeah. name again ralph salmons and how do you spell that last name so people can check s-a-l-m-i-n-s it out? okay cool and he's he, a london he, guy yeah he would be a great guy to get on here cause, okay you know, he's he's one of the top top session dudes nice over 250 soundtracks and stuff like that oh, Jesus, it's, yeah. it's 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 yeah, he's he's a top 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 drummer. <laughs> cool. um, yeah, so he he was he has definitely been the most sort of uh, mentor sort of figure mm-hmm. out of, of out of anyone. Um, so you had you had these kind of mentor relationships like with your dad and and with uh, Ralph um, during your time at uh, London Center of Contemporary Music. I mean, how did that, what, what did that add sort of to your, to your experience? Was it, was it, I would imagine it's more formal, a little more impersonal. Uh, well, actually, so the, 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 the college was, was actually really not like a college. It didn't feel <laughs> like college. There was so many, um, the majority of students were foreign students. Hmm. So it was this amazing melting pot where you're learning constantly from, stories and and lives lives of 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 all your contemporary students and stuff Mm -hmm. and we had a great salsa band led by roberto pla and sid gould um so you had chilean guys mexican people italian venezuelan brazilian uh guys from norfolk from switzerland and they're all learning to play salsa in london um which i thought was (laughs) really really great and it wasn't it definitely wasn't a college where you get in and and it was sort of whiplash from 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 nine a.m. to to 
9 p.m. You know, it right. wasn't like no, that at no, all. no music school is whiplash. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I I tell um, people the only part of my collegiate music experience that that movie got right was the part about not getting laid. <laughs> <laughs> that was accurate. The rest was not. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. No. That that's that's really not what it's like and lccm even less so like it wasn't like a conservatoire or anything like that it was mm -hmm. it was very much the the style of teaching there was like here it is do your thing you know mm -hmm. um which really meant being also being we were like the second or third year that they had done that that degree course so they were still sort of feeling out the course mm -hmm. which a lot of people were like, well, you know, you're paying to go to college, you should have it. Actually, I really enjoyed it because it meant you could kind of mold the course to, to, to you, to you, you know? Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and Sid Gould, the, the trumpet teacher who ran the salsa band, he was saying, you know, I, I like that this college isn't on top of you, grilling you all day, every day. Um, mm -hmm. like some of the conservatoires are because, a lot of the guys out of the conservatoire, some, a lot of the guys out there are great musicians and they go on to be amazing, amazing, successful musicians. But a lot of people just get drilled so hard in college. Yeah. That when they leave, they go, oh, thank God. Right. Thank right. God that's over. And, and I think those sorts of programs, um, you know, speaking for myself, but I, I think it's also true. Um, they, they instill in you sort of these preconceived notions about um, how you're supposed to play or what you're supposed to pursue. And, and, you know, they're not, they're not bad objectives per se, but, um, I think they, it, like, if you're not, if, if you don't have a strong sense of, of your own identity, which most college students don't, um, yeah. you'll, you'll just sort of take this stuff on and say, okay, well, I guess this is what I'm supposed to do. And you get your degree and you get out and you're like, oh, I don't get to do any of this. <laughs> Absolutely. Because there, because there have been 10 years of students, who sound exactly the same as you right because they've been going through the same machine mm -hmm. and and any sort of stepping out of line what they would call stepping out of line but what we might call you know creativity or trying to explore something has been squashed down which is like a sausage factory you know and they all come yeah. out sounding the same and and the work's all gone you know mm -hmm. um and and lccm definitely was not like that you know yeah. um they Sid, Sid said something great when I was at college. I was like, because I was more used to the idea of being, you know, pushed to to, to work harder. Mm -hmm. But Sid Sid says something to me that I'll never forget. He was just like, yeah, those colleges, people take their foot off the gas when they finish college. Mm -hmm. and, and a college like this, you have to learn to kick your own ass, yeah. you know? Um, and there'll be some people who don't don't learn how to do that, but the people who do, they'll they'll the 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 career will be a lot steadier, you know. Right, right. Um, That's an interesting point because, like, when I was when I was in college, uh, you know, I was one of those students who would not kick my own ass, and I needed the structure. Like, even if even if what I was being put through, uh, you know, wasn't ultimately. Um, you know, my musical identity, it gave me structure. It gave me expectations that I had to meet. Um, and it took me a while after college to learn to, to kick my own ass. But yeah, for a student who, um, 
is enthusiastic about like exploring and creating and 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 all that it sounds like a really uh you know safe space and and fertile ground to just absolutely yeah go. yeah 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 it's, it was i really 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 enjoyed my time there that's cool it was, it was so great and i actually made i've made some of my best long life friends like guys who, who will be with me for a long time you know both right. musical in a musical sense and and just in friendship sense which mm -hmm. you know it's not all about music you know it's it totally was, it was really really cool yeah i was doing an interview um a few weeks ago and i every time i reference an interview i did recently i can't remember who the effort <laughs> was um but talking about um oh it was jordan rose new york drummer jordan rose. oh yeah we were great. talking about how people uh you know, people talk about how this, you know, this, this isn't music friends. This is the music business. Um, but really, I mean, like it's, it's based on relationships. It's all relationships. You play with your friends, you form those relationships with the people that you like and you trust a lot of times early on in college. Um, and those are the relationships that, uh, last the longest and that bear the most fruit, you know, musically and professionally. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's it that that's another reason that that college sounds really cool because a lot of colleges are super competitive. Um yeah. And people, you know, I don't think people like really get pissed at each other like the Hatfields and the McCoys or whatever, but like there's some there's some sharp elbows and it's not always a collaborative environment, it's a competitive environment. Absolutely. Um, and some Absolutely. people thrive in that, but if you if you have this space where just like everybody's in it figuring stuff out creating together that seems so much more conducive to like long-lasting quality relationships absolutely i think uh, you know competition for me is is such a a weird thing i i find i find it very very strange especially when you're in college you know we're all we're all kind of on our own little path mm -hmm. um and and the only thing we should be doing is is enjoying and 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 soaking in information from the other students. I learned a lot from other students when I was at college. Mm -hmm. The music that I that I grew up playing is all based on community. Right. You know, samba schools, uh, Bagwaji. You know, it's all it's all community, and it's about sharing, mm -hmm. and passing on music. So it so the music survives. You know, right. Real right. life is such such a short amount of time in term in terms of the big picture. Um, mm -hmm. so it is about sharing, you know, and I had people at college, you know, and I'll go, wow, that's amazing. What, 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 what was that then? And, you know, oh, this is like this little shuffle thing, but, but, but tell, tell them that I told you, you know, don't show it to anyone else. This is what, and I'm like, dude, really? Are you, are you, are you really insinuating that you invented the shuffle? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. Like. It's, it's it's cool. If right. you don't want to show me, they won't show me. Fine, but I'm all about you know soaking in information from other students right. at college. Whether, whether it's school or anywhere else, I mean, a competitive mindset is is not a creative mindset. No, no, no. And and we've all seen with the last couple of months, you know, it, it, it doesn't really matter, you right. know. <laughs> Yeah. We're, all, we're all sat on our asses now. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's one that's one reason uh, that that I'm sort of in a weird way enjoying this time because I'm I'm someone who's prone to 
um, you know, some some gig envy and some insecurity in that regard. Uh, yeah, I think we all are, man. Sure, sure. And now, like, nobody's doing anything. Yeah. <laughs> and you just get a break <laughs> from the Instagram feed of, of like, every, it just seems like sometimes, you know, everybody is everywhere doing everything and you're just at home. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, what we need to remember is the Instagram thing is, is very dangerous. Oh, sure. Um, yeah. And it, it is it has become a, a part of being a musician. Right. Fortunately or unfortunately, uh, who knows? Yeah. I think maybe hindsight will, will tell us that. But it has become so, you know, we all have to do it. But um, it's not it's, it's, it's not the most important thing. And I think comparing yourself, these the people are posting all day, every day, all day, every day. It's not, it's, it's not real. This episode is brought to you by drumsellers.com, the niche marketplace where drummers, drum retailers, and drum manufacturers buy and sell their gear. List your drums for sale for free, and the only fee is 4% if it sells. Simple. Check out all the new used vintage and custom drum eye candy at drumsellers.com. You mentioned earlier that that this time sort of forces you to sit down and like say like who who am I? What music do I care about? What's really important to me as a musician? Um, and I've seen some musicians whose social media feeds have just become nostalgia, and they're posting old pics and old videos from when they were on tour and when they did this recording session, like, <laughs> no, I, yeah. I've been watching, I've been watching you. You haven't, yeah. you haven't been bad. You haven't been bad. Some people okay. that's, that's all it's become. Yeah. Um, and well, there's no more new content, is there? Right. But, I mean, <laughs> sure. Sure. Uh, but you know, other, other people have, you know, figured out ways to keep being creative. And I'm sure that when you're this music that you're working on, like when you feel comfortable, putting that out, you're going to, you're going to put it out. Like, here's what I'm doing Absolutely, right now. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, no, I, I wasn't at all calling you out about that. Like you, no, no, I you're, think, you're I not, think... you're not an offender in that regard. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> no, uh, I, I think, you know, we have to keep just keeping your name there is, 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 is important. Definitely. Um, people, a lot of the time people say, Oh, how did you, how did you get to this gig? And how do you, how do you get gigs? Mm-hmm. And I've always said that it's 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 about being fresh in someone's memory. Yep. You know, which yep. which before it would be like phone calls or going to jam sessions or to whatever this to gigs, going to watch other people having hangs with other musicians. Um, but now we can be fresh in someone's memory without, and you can be fresh in someone's memory who you don't even know who totally. lives on the other side of the world. Right. Never met before. Right. Which I find insane concept, but yeah, you it know, is insane. It, that, that kind of, that, that helps in that sense. Yeah. Um, my co-host and I have, have started doing this, uh, well, right before lockdown, we had started doing this, this, uh, masterclass just about some of the major themes that, that have run through the podcast. And this is one that we talk about just different ways to stay fresh in people's minds. And Matt, my, my co-host, told this story about a couple years ago. He lives in Nashville. He was walking across the street at a, at a stoplight and was just kind of looking at his phone. There were cars stopped there. And as he crossed the street, like this car right in front of him, like honked at him and just scared the shit out of him. But he looked and he realized that it was this singer he knew. 
and she was sitting there and she waved, you know, and he, he was like, oh, waved, you know, went across the street and like she drove off. And 30 seconds later, uh, his phone rang and she was <laughs> like, hey, I'm I need a drummer this Friday. Are you busy? <laughs> Amazing. Exactly. <laughs> There you go. So, yeah, I mean, in- Instagram is that. It's It can be know. as simple as that, you know, when, yeah. when it, yeah. I find a lot of the time, you know, going to gigs, not not to try and get gigs, but to, to be around other musicians and, yeah. and to, to, to meet new people, to see old friends. Um, I, th- I think that's something that I, I, I miss. Yeah. From yeah. Not, not only from the lockdown, but like from being on tour for a lot, a lot of the time right you know you're not able to 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 be as as engaged in the scene in london you know you're it right. all has to, has to be on there mm-hmm. and Fine. it i think really at the end of the day like the the in-person interactions are what really lead to work um absolutely because it's not until you really hang out with someone, whether it's someone you've known for a long time or someone you just met, like being in the room with them is when you really find out what it's like to make music with them, what it's like to talk with them and, and you know, the kind of vibe they give you and how they make you feel. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, we've talked ad nauseum about like how to get gigs and how much you know how many articles and podcasts and content geared towards that is there but i think the end at the end of the day it's it's the same you know the way to get gigs is the way to create relationships it's the same way you make friends yeah there's no there's no special formula that you can you know triangulate this that and the other and that equals gigs it's just you have to make friends and create relationships yeah yeah it's 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 a it's a people it's a people's game, you know. Yep. You have to. I mean, Ralph, my my mentor, always said like, "Don't worry about other people. Just be good." Mm-hmm. He was talking about uh, like worrying about other drummers having gig envy or not. So like, don't worry about them. It's just noise. Mm-hmm. Just be good. Mm-hmm. Don't take your foot off the gas. Just be good, and your phone will ring. Yeah. And sometimes it will ring for stuff that you want to do, and a lot of the time it will ring for stuff that you don't want to do. Right. But that is part of being a musician totally. a working musician if you have financial responsibilities which you have to upkeep a house or a family or whatever then you have to make ends meet you know yeah. if you don't you can maybe afford to be a bit pickier but you know be good and your phone will ring <laughs> right totally um, um and try to like try to keep the blinders on you know in terms of the gig envy and the uh you know just those those negative feelings towards other people like a lot of whom are friends of yours you yeah. know some sometimes you find it hard to like be happy for a friend of yours <laughs> yeah i mean um, I, I i i genuinely a lot of the time i just i'm i'm so happy to see friends like doing well Yes. Like it really, it really, like it really, it really fills me with joy. Like I, I, I love it yeah. because they're, they're, they're doing their thing, you know? Yep. Th- that's um, something that I, like when I was around late twenties, maybe 30, that's something that I really had to reckon with. And it was kind of a long process of, of getting there. Like be happy for someone you love, like someone who's your friend, like, absolutely. um, you know, their, their happiness should not equal your unhappiness. Um, and and in terms of gig envy, like I took a a couple lessons with Michael Carvin, who's a, a great jazz drummer in in the states. Um, and he was like, you know, other people's career, it's it's none of your business. 
Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> putting it like that kind of like knocked me upside the head. I was like, cause before I was like, you don't have to worry about it. It's not something you should pay attention to. Like he was forceful. He was like, it's none of your business. Absolutely. Like yeah. uh, it's, I think I can't remember who it was. Maybe it was uh, Rex Hardy Jr. Maybe. Um, who, who talks a little bit about this. There's a clip on YouTube um, where he's like, you're on your path. And if you start worrying about that, you're going to end up on someone else's path. Mm-hmm. And eventually you're going to have to come back to your path because that is your path. Yeah. Um, and if you're thinking that, oh man, why, how comes so, so I think we've all had that feeling of like, what? He got that gig. Why didn't I get the call to do that gig? Yeah. That gig was never yours to do, man. Nope. You, know? you were never on the radar for that gig in That's, the first place. Yeah, it wasn't meant to be. That wasn't your gig. Yeah. That was his gig. And be happy for him because he got a gig. Right. We all know how hard it can be to get a gig. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to see anyone, you know, go down in this, you know. Right, yeah. Um, especially talking about these times. Like, I want everyone to survive. Yeah. And, yeah. And I think nine times out of ten, you know, when when someone else gets the gig – it's not because they worked harder than you. It's not because they're a better player than you. It's because they had a relationship that you don't have, or they, you know, put a certain vibe in the room to the MD or whoever that yeah. that, that you don't put out. You put out a different vibe that's going to work for other shit. Or that um, they were crossing the street at the right, right. time. <laughs> exactly. Like, gen- genuinely, yeah. like it's as fickle as that. You know, yeah. sometimes. Yeah, yeah. It's it 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 is is what it is. You know. Yeah. <laughs> It's just, it's like, it's maddening, but also sort of comforting. Like you really don't have a whole lot of control. Absolutely. Um, it's like you said, it's, it's none of your business. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so in terms of your path, um, has this, has this time caused you to, uh, sort of reflect or reconsider, um, the future? Uh, are there, are there some things about your career that you want to change or improve or, uh, refocus on or anything, anything like that? That's a really good question. Um, in terms of like the next five years. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I think, yeah, this time has definitely been a time for like reflection and, and thinking about what I want to do and what's important to me. Yeah. You know, and not necessarily that I don't want to do something, but like, what do I need to make more time for? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Do I need to go out and do that gig um, that is enjoyable and it pays, so that really helps. But actually, you know, I love teaching. Mm-hmm. I love teaching. So maybe, you know, I should, I, I need to make more time and hustle a little bit to, to, to do more of that and, and, and teach the stuff that, that I'm really passionate about. Mm-hmm. Um, my music I'd, I'd love to release some music um whatever happens with it whether people yeah. listen to it or not like just to have something there that that's mine you know mm-hmm. um yeah i think i think there's definitely also just the amount that we work yeah you know people just tend to work 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 and family suffers because of it yeah. relationships with you know partners parents siblings uh-huh. with your health with everything yeah um with your mental health as well as physical and and you think what why right like do i do i really 
is this really what I want what I want to be doing mm-hmm. I found a lot a lot of the time I found the last few months I was working uh, crazy hours and I was spending most of my money whilst I was out because mm-hmm. I was out right so you're in this cycle of earning the money to spend it because you're out and the money that you're spending because and it's like, <laughs> hold on a minute and then you do the maths and you go uh, this isn't really is this is this really how i want to spend my time yeah you know mm-hmm. being at home has been amazing for someone who's been away for so long yeah i've really as much as i have done i've been productive or creative or whatever you want to call it um i've definitely tried to use the time to to, to be more with with family with my partner with and try and reconnect with friends and, and yeah, I'm sure the, I mean, what, what you're talking about is balance and, and I'm sure that, you know, the, the, the shows and the tours are going to come back, uh, to some degree at some point. Um, but it's, you know, it's going to be a really long time before it looks like it did in 2019, if ever, if ever. Yeah. And I I think we're, we're all going to have to find a different balance. Uh, yeah. in terms of all those things you mentioned it it can't it can't just be like all you know all work all the time it can't be all music or all drums all the time um it can't be all playing all the time yeah um so i uh like you i'm i'm trying to sort of think about a better balance going forward between the the things that are good for me the things that i love the things i have to do um, the things I want to do, they're all necessary. Um, yeah. but just a more, a more sustainable balance for a lot of us, I think is, uh, on its way. I hope. <laughs> I, I, I really hope so. Cause I, I think it's, it's time, it's time for it. Um, I, there's also one other thing that I want to touch on, which was like this, this stigma attached to, uh, to musicians that had a, a part-time job, mm-hmm. you know, before this happened. Yeah. Because look who's laughing now. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, all my man. friends who had part-time jobs with music services or doing some coding or doing thing, and then you know there would be some people. Who's like, oh, but he's not committed. You know, actually, they're the ones who are still surviving, right? Which is allowing them time and money to still be a musician, right? Know? And that so, is so it's so great you mentioned that because I think that's that's a stigma that we put on ourselves absolutely, a lot of the time. Absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah. And and I am I am sort of in that boat right now because uh, before COVID hit, like in 2019, I I started to ramp up my my legwork and effort to um, get more touring work happening, just kind of level up my playing career because I'm I'm busy around Atlanta. Um, it's it's kind of like 70 30 playing to teaching right right um but i just wanted to do more more touring more recording um and i was you know in the back of my mind i was putting this stigma on myself like i gotta teach these lessons i'm doing these church gigs that i'm not creating you know they're they're okay but like i want to be out there i want to be doing more studio stuff more touring um so when covid hit guess what's left Skype yeah. lessons, <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> and, absolutely. And, you know, the, and the church gig went away for a little bit, but now they're doing like pre-recorded stuff, right? Um, so you know, it was a weird blessing in disguise that you know all that stuff that I that I wanted that I was really starting to work for didn't really happen yet in any significant way. Um, yeah, 
so yeah, I think it's it's a it's a great point. Like um, a lot of us, a lot of us are gonna um, have a more varied stream of income like that going forward. And and, and the, the and the thing is, we'll be no less musician, no less of a musician, right? Because of it, you know, right? I've I've ended up spending the last week digging up some ground doing landscape gardening. Oh, dude, me too. You know, and yeah. and, and it's been amazing. <laughs> so I haven't been in a studio all day. So I have a studio, which is, I'm really lucky that I can teach out of. I can do some remote recording like yourself. And and that that's my space that allows me to to, to be a musician. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are no gigs, so I'm not shying away from, from, from work, you know. Right. I'm happy to spend the day out in someone's garden digging up the soil and get paid for it and spend the next day in the music in, in the studio making yeah. music you know that's great man that's it's, great I, I i love the idea that um you know our identities as musicians and our incomes will not be solely defined and dominated by being on the road 200 days a year yeah like yeah. it'll be yeah. it'll yeah. be yeah. more varied i think we'll be happier for it um and hopefully some some good music will come out of it oh you you can you can Bet your bottom dollar that 2021-2022 there's going to be some killer music coming out. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. I agree. Uh, Well, man, it was was great talking to you. Thanks thanks so much. Thank you so much for having me on. It's a real pleasure. Yeah, I hope you're. Uh, I hope you're back out on the road soon, but but not too yeah. much. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, and if um, I am, I'll, I'll hit you up when I'm in Atlanta. Excellent, excellent. Great talking. Take care, to you, man. man. Thanks a lot. Great dude, right? That's who you want to be on stage with. That's who you want to be on the bus with. Thanks to Fabio for that talk. Hope you dug it. Hit us up on Facebook and Instagram. Check us out at workingdrummer.net. Drop us a line. Give us a like, a share, a review. We appreciate any and all interactions. We love staying in touch with you all out there. Once again, go to patreon.com slash workingdrummer. As little as $1 a month gets you access to some really cool content from our former guests. Next week, Matthew Krause will be talking with Nashville drummer and producer Grady Saxman, who it sounds like will have all kinds of tips and tricks and hacks and advice for the studio environment. I think we're all spending more time there these days, so looking forward to that. Hope you check it out. Until then, thanks for listening. Cheers. Cheers.